God told me to tell our technicians, don't even edit this, okay? Put this on the radio, on Facebook, don't edit it. I want the world to see that God is in charge of this service. And I know we've got a word on the last sermon in the series. I'll give it to you in an abbreviated form. But somehow I'm hearing God say, remind them this Sunday morning that putting a praise on a promise is having faith that somehow God's going to work it out. And I don't know what you're going through. We all have our valley experiences. Can I remind you of the scripture, let us not become weary in well-doing. For at the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up. Stay encouraged. There's a word from the Lord. As we finish this series, just, I want to get this in because Tuesday night is our Christmas program. I want to get this in. Dialogue with God. Amen. The last message of this series is a personal question that God has for us. And the text reads in Matthew 25, verse 10, concluding in verse 13. While they were gone out to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was locked. Please don't miss this. I don't want you to miss this. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside. Somebody say, outside. Ooh, you don't want to be on the wrong side of the door. <laughs> they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. Verse 13 says, so you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Reach over, grab somebody by the hand, and say, will you be ready? Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Will you be ready? One of the fundamental principles of our Christian faith is the belief that Jesus the Christ, our Savior, would one day return to earth to gather all of those believers to be with him 
and to be with the Father in heaven forever. That is a principal foundation of our faith. <laughs> that this world is not the end of our existence. <laughs> that Jesus will return again. In fact, my brothers and sisters, in the book of Acts, the first chapter and the 11th verse, the disciples, as they witnessed Jesus ascend into heaven some 40 days after his resurrection, they were told by the angels of God that this same Jesus would someday return from heaven and the text says, in the same way you saw him leave, he will come again. In other words, on a cloud in the air. <laughs> Is there anybody in here that believe that Jesus will come again? He will return. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, the apostle Paul writes, to the New, Church, New Testament church in Thessala, the, Thessala, the Thessalonians in Thessalonica. And he writes an encouraging word for saints and children of God who were going through so much. They were being persecuted for their faith. Nero, the wicked emperor of Rome, was mercilessly slaughtering Christians for the entertainment of the Romans. Put them in arenas sewn up in animals' clothes and allow wild beasts to devour their bodies, crucifying them upside down, beheading them in the public arena. <laughs> but Paul writes this word, which is so encouraging, Note he didn't write a word that says you won't ever have to go through that. But he says there's something better coming after that. <laughs> for he writes, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a shout, with a voice of an archangel, with a trumpet call of God. And the dead who died in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. So the question is not, will the Lord return? But the question is, will we be ready when he does return? Amen. We, we believe it is a faith Question, faith answer, we believe that the Lord will return. But the challenge for us is after all we've been through, all the praying you've been through, all the trying to walk upright that you've been through, will you go through all of that and at the end you miss the coming of the Lord, being with him, forever, simply because your faith wavered when it needed to have been strong. In the text, we have a powerful parable 
that Jesus shares with his disciples to emphasize the importance of being ready. That's why I have had to preach this message, last message of this series. And this text is so powerful because Jesus wanted them to know that, that he would one day return and all believers must be ready. It, it wasn't enough just to be a good person. It was more important to have a relationship with God that was a genuine relationship with God. In the text, Jesus, as he did so often throughout his three and a half year ministry on earth, he spoke in parables. He, he used things that they understood clearly during their culture at their day to make spiritual revelations clear to them and for us even years and centuries later. So in the text, Jesus speaks of a Jewish wedding involving ten bridesmaids. Jewish weddings, Eastern weddings at that time, and uh, to a certain degree, even today, some of them are still the same. They were unique. You, you can't compare it to the weddings that, that, that we have in this western part of our civilization. But 2,000 years ago, Jewish Eastern weddings were different. And let me explain to you a little bit about how they were set up. You would have a bride who would be waiting in the house of her parents or in the house of someone that she, where she stayed. You would have a groom who would be in his own place. And if you had a situation where the groom did not live in the same town, perhaps was the case here, uh, the groom would be coming from another destination. Uh, the wedding party consisted of bridesmaids and in most cases, 10 bridesmaids. It represented a symbolic significant number uh, to particularly the Jewish faith, 10 commandments, other things, you see the point. And so the, the great 2,000 years ago Jewish weddings usually consisted of 10 bridesmaids, friends of uh, the brides. And the Bible said uh, that in this case, they all were pure. They all were virgins. And why is this important? Because they all were good people. They all had a good, decent relationship. But being good is not enough. You need to have a right relationship with God. The bridesmaid's job was this. Here is how most Jewish weddings went. Uh, there is a school of thought that this parable that Jesus shares is somewhat different. In fact, it is the pulpit commentary that says it perhaps deviated a little bit from the typical Jewish weddings. Let me share with you what I'm talking about. A typical Jewish wedding would be that the groom would come, the groom would then go to the bride's house or to the place where there's ceremony. The bridesmaids uh, would wait normally in two places, at the ceremony. But here's the other part. After the ceremony, there was a feast that would be held at the groom's place of residence. And so you would get married, go into the ceremony, and then you would go to the feast. All of this happened in the evenings. 
All of this happened after the sun went down. If you know anything about the wonderful Jewish faith, you know that they cherish a whole lot of things after the sun went down. So this wedding would happen after the sun went down because there were no electrical poles and no electrical lights. Uh, the pathway to the feast would be illuminated by the lanterns held by the bridesmaids. And they had one job and one job alone. And that is when they receive notice whoo, at any given time, they were to get up, even if it was at the middle of the night, and they were to trim their lanterns, their lights, and they were to illuminate the pathway uh, so that the wedding party, the groom, the bride, could go in for the feast. Now, Matthew Henry, in his distinct commentary of the text, says perhaps this one was a little different because the groom was coming from a distant place. Perhaps he did not necessarily live there. So it is believed by some scholars that the bridesmaids, in this case, waited at the ceremony for the groom because no one knew exactly when he would come. But they knew it was the season. Don't miss this. They knew that a ceremony would happen, but they did not know the exact time. How many of you know that you are living in the season, but you don't know exactly when he's going to come? How do you know it's the season? Because Matthew 24 tells us, and when you see these things, then you know that these are the last days. It was the fifth message in the first half of this dialogue when we asked God the question, when will you return? And he gave us some things that we should look out for. But now it's different. You're living in this season. The, uh, the wedding has been planned. You know it's going to happen. The only thing that is, that, that is up in the air is exactly when the bridegroom shall come. Now in most parables, examples in the Bible, Christ is looked at as the bride, but not in this parable. This is the one parable in which Christ uh, is viewed as the bridegroom. Amen. So he comes from a distant land. And the only warning you are going to get of his immediate return is a shout and a warning that says, here comes the bridegroom. <laughs> Here he comes. Get up and be ready. And so the, the bridesmaids had to do a couple of things. Their job uh, was, was not to get married, sing a song, perform the ceremony, but their job was to have enough, somebody say enough, enough oil in their lamps. So no matter how long the delay, whew, they would be ready. Uh, it wasn't good enough to have a little oil that gets you a little salvation or you get saved when you feel good. And as long as things are going good in your life, you are all right. But the first struggle you have, you turn your backs on God. Your oil runs out. But you've got to have enough oil in the lamp to know that if he doesn't come when you expect him, that whenever he comes, I'm going 
to be ready. Can I preach to somebody? That's your only job is to have enough. So the cry goes out. May I preach this? Pride goes out. Here comes the bridegroom. They, it is believed by most scholars at this point, they are waiting outside of the ceremonial chambers because the groom was coming from out of town and it was evening and it was dark. And the Bible said it happened at midnight. It is significant to know that midnight is the transitional period between yesterday and a brand new day. Uh, God doesn't always come at our most opportune time. God sometimes comes during our most transitional time in our life. All, a lot of us are going through midnight experiences. You're moving from one situation to another, and it's about to be the dawning of a brand new day. But it's midnight. Although it begins a new day, it's still dark outside. Imagine these bridesmaids waiting all day. Because although the wedding ceremonies in the Jewish culture was in the evening, it was usually during the time the sun immediately goes down. And during a certain time of the year, that can happen as early as 5.30 in the evenings. Well, he did not come at 5.30. Did not come at 7 o'clock. Did not come at 8 o'clock. Did not come at 10 o'clock. And now you're getting a little weary and your eyes are drowsy. And you need to take a nap. And in your mind, somebody says, this ceremony may not ever happen. And you didn't think you needed as much oil as you needed because you didn't think it would be this hard. You never anticipated that it, it would shine this long. So you had some oil, but you didn't have enough. Ooh, I'm preaching to somebody. Look at somebody and say, you had some, but you didn't have enough. You had enough to come to church every now and then. You had enough to praise God when things went right in your life. But you didn't have enough to deal when the enemy came in like a flood. And your light had to shine a little brighter. You didn't anticipate what was going to happen. But midnight, look at somebody and say midnight. The call went out. It is now time. The bridegroom is coming. They jumped up from their sleep. They trimmed their lamps. And here's what the five wise, they had enough oil in their lamps. Uh, the five who were foolish uh, did not have enough oil in their lamps. And so they said to the wise these words, please give us some of your oil. Now, now note what they said. Our lamps are going out. I've read this so many times in my number of years preaching, and I've often thought, and I said earlier this morning, Pastor Lawson, that they said our lamps are out. They weren't completely out, but they knew they didn't have enough oil. 
to go through the whole ceremony. It's nothing worse than having a little bit of God in your life. It's nothing worse than being lukewarm in your life. There's nothing worse than hitting and missing in your life. Some weeks you're on fire. The next week you don't even talk to God. Some weeks you're a prayer warrior and, and a lion slayer. And the next week any little nymph or demon throw you off course. Uh, they had a little bit. But they didn't have enough. And so they said to those who had enough, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. The five wise bridesmaids said in verse number nine to them, we don't have enough for all of us. You've got to go get your own. Oh, I feel like preaching to somebody. Your mama may have enough to get mama into heaven. Grandmother may have enough anointing to get grandmother into heaven. But grandmother does not have enough oil to get her whole family into heaven. She can pray for you, but she can't usher you into heaven. You've got to get to a point in your life where it's not my mother or my father, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of deliverance. How many of you know you got to get saved for yourself? You've got to have a relationship for yourself. Mama may have, daddy may have, but God bless the child that has his own oil. All of us who've ever been parents know what that feels like. We all have to come to the conclusion sometimes that no matter how much we love folk, you don't have enough to save the whole family. Uh, you don't have, I wish I can save all my cousins, nieces, nephews. I wish I can save all of them from far and near. But God says, Darrow, you've got enough oil to keep burning that when I come back, you have enough to save yourself. I love my wife, but I can't save her. Amen. I love my sisters and brothers, but I can't save them. How many of you know you need enough oil to save yourself? We can't share this. We don't have enough to get you in. So they said, go and get your own. It's a bad time to go try to get saved when he's already in the air. Preach Pastor Jackson. Okay, somebody say, too late. Bad time to call on the name of the Lord when he's in the air. Amen. I remember a story Bishop Jackson told a long time ago. One of our members called him during the thunderstorm and said, Bishop, Bishop, I tried to call. Nobody answered the phone. And then I thought it was the rapture. And I missed it. Bishop said, what were you doing? He said, I was on my knees praying, Lord, I want to be saved. And Daddy said, boy, it's too late then. You better call on the name of the Lord before he's in the air. But how many of you know you got to call on Jesus right now, the day that you hear my voice, hard not your heart. Tell somebody you need the Lord today. To every millennial who think you've got time, the devil is a liar. To anybody who think you've got a couple more weeks or a month, you don't know when. And let me tell you something, even if Jesus doesn't come back for the world, he may come back for you. He may send somebody to get you, amen, in the form of the death angel. So listen, here's what the text says. I'm almost done. He says, 
And so as they were going out looking for salvation, I mean looking for oil, it was too late. Amen. They went in, and here's the part that I don't want you to miss. And the door was locked. Can I say that again? The bridegroom went in, and the door was locked. They went into the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the five foolish bridesmaids returned with oil, the text says this in verse number 11, they stood outside, calling inside. Ooh. And I told you earlier, the worst place you can be when the Lord comes back is on the wrong side of the door. And you, you can fool some of the people some of the time, but God knows if you got oil and you got to decide for yourself, Lord, I don't want to be lost. I want to make it when you return. The Bible said they, they were on the outside calling, Lord, open the door for us. Uh, but the bridegroom responded in verse number 12. Now remember the bridegroom is Christ. He responded with these chilling words. Believe me, I don't know you. Ooh, I don't know you. I don't know you because you had enough time to know that this would eventually happen. And you only had one job, and that was to keep enough oil in your lap so that whenever the ceremony began, you can jump up and say, I'm ready. Now here's the key. The lap didn't even have to be perfect, but just burning. Somebody just got it. You, you could have had an old lap, a rugged lap, a crack lap in some parts, but as long as the lamp was burning, you were all right. How many of you know there, there's some bumps and some bruises on you, but you got enough oil in your lamp to say, Lord, I'm still here. I've been through some stuff. It's been hard sometimes. I've been knocked down sometimes, but I've got enough oil Woo. to say I'm still here. Jesus concludes this parable in verse 13 with these instructions for his disciples as well as for those of us today. Listen to these words. So you too, please help me preach this. Say to somebody, you too must keep watch. Woo. I'm speaking to somebody right now. God is speaking to you. This is not the Sunday for you to judge anybody. This is not the Sunday for you to worry about who am I preaching to. I'm going to make this easy. I'm preaching to all of us. For you too must keep watch. For you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Listen, this is how the Message Bible puts verse 13. The Message Bible puts it this way, and I'll let them put it on the screen if they can, because it's so profound. It, it, it says it in a way that I don't want you to miss this. Uh, the Message Bible says this, so 
stay alert. Look at somebody and say, stay alert. It says, so you too must keep watch. That's the old version. Here's what the message Bible says. It says, so stay alert. You have no idea when he might come. That's what the message Bible says. So stay alert. You have no idea. Tell somebody you have no idea when he might come. He may come tonight. He may come after this service. He may come on your way to work. Jesus says two will be in the fields. One will be gone. Other will be left. Ooh. What if he cracks the sky in the midst of you doing something you know you should not be doing? Ooh. You don't have time to refill your lamp when he arrives. So stay alert. <laughs> Tell somebody, stay alert. You have no idea when he might arrive. God told me to preach this this very way. I don't, I'm glad we shouted and praised God because this message today as we conclude this dialogue with God is a challenge for each one of us. There are three key, very simple takeaways in this message. And we will put this on the board. Three key observations, three key things that we should take away from this message. Number one, help me catch somebody by the hand and say, the Lord is coming back. This is not up for debate, okay? Whew. The Lord is coming back. Number two, hold those hands and say, no one knows when. Don't let any prophet fool you, television evangelist fool you. Nobody knows when. If they tell you they know exactly when he's coming back, they are a liar and their destination is hell. Because that's a lie from the pits of hell. No one knows when. We know the season, but we don't know the time. And here's the third and the final one. As you hold your neighbor's hand, look at them and say, we must be ready. Who say, we must be ready when he comes. Stand to your feet all over this place. Listen, God told me to do this in a different way this morning. I want to do this in a different way. Come on, choir. I need you to softly sing this. This altar call is different. And this is going to take some faith. You have to have the faith that what people think about what you're about to do really doesn't matter. The only thing that matters the most is that God understands the sentiment of your heart and you know you need some oil in your lamp. Ooh, amen. Sing this one verse, TJ, before anybody comes. In. And then I have a special invitation. Ooh, I, yeah, yeah. Yes, listen. Can't you see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Leave, don't leave. Will you be punished? I, I want sacredness in this auditorium. Yeah. Reward. Just a few more minutes. Sing, Cedric. There'll be no more time <laughs> to get it right. There won't be any more time to get it right. When the Lord. Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. When He cracks the sky. Ah. So. Your hand in his plan. <laughs> yes. And be ready. Ooh. When Jesus comes, will you be ready? Yeah, yeah. Listen, as the choir softly, here's what God told me this. There was a time in my life that I was right where you were. I was in the house, but I had no oil in my lamp. Ooh, I, I looked the part, but I had nothing. I was an empty preacher's kid that knew church like the back of my hand but had no real relationship with God. Ooh, and I realized something, ooh, that I needed some oil in my lamp. Ooh, and so I made that commitment one day, and even in the midst of church, and I remember mom, it was next door, and folk looked at me like I was crazy because they say, that's Dara, that's Bishop Jackson's son. I thought he was already saved, but you don't know folk. You don't know what they needed. You know Deacon Clarence, you're my cousin and my friend. I needed something in my life. And so I was bold enough to walk down the aisles even while my daddy was standing at the altar and say, I need something real in my life that lasts more than a good feeling. So here is my challenge. Is there somebody in here this day who needs oil in your lamp? This is between just you and God. I need you to do what I did many years ago and walk down. That's right. Thank you, young lady. Any other, come stand at this altar right now. Just if you, you, you know that you need some oil in your lamp. That's right. Will you be ready? That's right. In the balcony, we'll wait on you. This is not saying you don't have a relationship with God. It's saying, I need a better relationship with God. I need that relationship to be something different than what it is. That's right. Take it up, choir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, yeah. This is personal. 
this is personal. from the balcony come from the balcony come from the back Brother, take your time, man, and walk down that aisle. I know. Amen. Yeah, yeah. That's all right. It's look at God. Yeah, yeah. Will you be ready? all over this place. Ooh. Three key points. The Lord is coming back. No one knows where. And we must be ready when he comes. We're living in a transparent age God says, you, this isn't about what other people think of you. The question is, you know for yourself if you're where you ought to be, if your relationship is where it ought to be. And let me speak to some who perhaps are not in this worship center. You're watching by way of internet, listening by way of radio. God is speaking to you. Some of you may, may not even be able to get here. To my dear brothers and sisters that are incarcerated, I'm here to let you know that what you are going through does not define you. You can accept the Lord Jesus as your Savior right where you are in a prison cell, in a hospital room, driving down the interstate. Ooh. Praying at your kitchen table. Because <laughs> God wants us to be ready. Amen. Lift those hands all over this place. 
this is our prayer request. And after we pray this request, if there's anyone that is accepting Christ for the first time in your life, amen. You just remain at the altar. Let the elders or the deacons know if you have a desire to join this congregation. We want to welcome you into that. But that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that you have a right relationship with God. I told you, God, God transformed my ministry when I gave up the obsession of building a successful church. Elder Jennifer, when I stopped being concerned about building a successful ministry and focused totally on the kingdom, God changed my whole perspective. <laughs> and he's doing something for you right now. And what God did, when I focus on the kingdom, God blessed the ministry like he's never done before. When you focus on the kingdom, God will bless your family. God will bless you. You're going in and you're coming out. Ooh. Close those eyes, lift those hands. Here we are, Lord. We stand before you with hands stretched open with our hearts being receptive to whatever you want to do. Ooh, I, we don't want to be lost. God, I pray against everyone under the sound of my voice. Convince them, Lord, to put you first. Convince them to allow nothing to separate them from your love. No stress or discouragement, nor height or achievement, but nothing comes between their relationship with you. So that when you crack the sky, we will be ready. I'm so glad that you didn't ask for perfect vessels. You just wanted the oil to be in the vessel. Some of our vessels are worn. Some of our vessels are bruised. Some may be cracked. But I thank you, Lord, that you can still use somebody like us. We receive on this day the anointing that destroys every yoke in our life. Have your way, Lord. Move in a mighty way. We declare and decree that it is already done. It is already done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Put your arms around somebody and say, will you be ready? Come on. If you're here today and you want to make that public, you want to join the church, you want to be saved for the first time, you want to give Christ your life, come stand with me at the altar. Come on. Thank you. Others are coming right now. If, when, when G, if you're here, come on, stand at the altar. Amen. Come on, Sister Jennifer. Somebody else, look at God. Come on, somebody, come stand with this young lady. Amen. Come on, women of faith. 
Come on, somebody stand right here. That's right. Will you be ready? Somebody else walk down that aisle. God is calling you. Look at God. Others are coming. Come on, some brothers stand in the aisle. Meet him. Anybody else, will you be ready? Look at God calling you. Look at God. This is your moment. This is your moment. Put those hands together. Give the Lord a hand of praise as we. Be ready. Will you be ready? Amen. Somebody lift your hands and say, I want to be ready. Paul said, Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Will you be ready? What an awesome.